Welcome back to the Like Minds Podcast, an open journal for creatives and entrepreneurs. I'm Josh Allen, uh, joined as always by my friend Adam Davis. That's right. And today in the Like Minds Podcast, we interviewed my friend Eric Zoso. He is a fellow like-minded entrepreneur, and he's currently working on an idea that will benefit both renters and property owners. Eric is also the owner of a co-working space in Valparaiso, Indiana called Zosco. So it was definitely interesting hearing about these ideas related to real estate. Yeah, I had a great time talking with Eric. Uh, this idea that he's talking about uh, and that he's working towards right now seems really cool. I love how he uh, just really passionate about working with people and even educating the people that he's around. So we're going to let him get into the nitty gritty in this episode. Uh, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys, welcome back to Like Minds Podcast. Today we have as a guest, Eric Zoso. He's uh, one of my friends and we actually met at, uh, well, it was a networking event, right? It was uh, One Million Cups in Hammond. Is yeah. that correct, Eric? That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So how are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing well. Really well. So, yeah. I'm meeting Eric for the first time with our listeners. So, again, it's nice to meet you, Eric. Looking forward to Likewise, the Likewise, Josh. Yeah, definitely nice to meet you as well. Looking forward to the conversation. So, For sure. So, at that One Million Cups <laughs> event, uh, my co-founder and I, Houston, at the time, we were promoting an, an idea for a particular app. And we were just completely new to the world of startups and just networking, meeting people. What were you doing there at uh, One Million Cups a year ago? I'm curious. Oh man, uh, usually I go just to like drink coffee and BS and then listen to ideas and kind of spout around. Uh, but I've been, I've been an organizer or was an organizer with it since its inception. So mm. Mont Hanley um, from CMEC, like he started it and kind of brought me along on that path. And so going to really just like help make One Million Cups grow for sure. Mm. Got you. Uh, by the way, is is Mont, is he running for Congress to your knowledge or what's going on with him? Yeah, so um, Mont was a Republican primary candidate, um, but he did not like cinch the, the nomination. Um, but okay. like, I love Mont. He's an awesome guy. And like, he put himself out there, right? Because we're in for a sure. stage in the world right now where it seems like there's chaos. And that chaos can happen when like good people don't risk their own neck to like improve society like risk themselves and so putting himself out there yeah pretty awesome for sure so do you know is he back doing one million cups right now or what's he, what's he doing well he's been doing one million cups throughout yeah oh so, interesting. Uh, yeah because i've then, been thinking about reaching out to him oh yeah 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 um especially with like your guys's updated business for sure or or even thinking for the podcast I was thinking for the, the updated business, Numbrella. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good idea. For sure. So uh, you definitely have uh, an entrepreneurial spirit to you from at least my experiences interacting with you. Um, I, I see that you own something called Provito. And I also yeah. see Zuzeko co-working. Can you tell me a little bit about Provito first and then maybe you can get into the co-working space? Yeah, so Provito is like my passion project. It's been an idea in my head for, gosh, four years. And um, the whole premise is like, as a millennial, I guess I'm an older millennial, um, 
like, I don't want to buy a house because that's so much debt that you see what happens when you have debt. You have fewer options. You're like beholden to a bank. So it's like the risk of homeownership, you know, coupled with, then it's a lot of asset just in one little, you know, 10th of an acre lot or smaller or bigger, depending. It, it just like didn't make sense. Uh, but then renting, there's no real game besides flexibility. It's like, why isn't there a way where I'm a renter, I'm a good renter, like I will take care of the place. Like, why isn't there a way for me to kind of buy in a little bit? But I don't want to buy in just like in the one unit. I want to buy into a smaller portfolio of properties. So like if there's a landlord who maybe has 20 properties, like I want to partner with him on future properties, you know, like making a small investment into like investment properties instead of just a single family home that, you know, then I have to upkeep and maintain. And yeah. So basically it's like, why isn't there some sort of third option that's not renting and it's not home ownership and it's not rent to own because that gets scammy because no one's going to live in the same place for 30 years anyways. So it's like, why can't, why aren't there opportunities to like create, to build wealth if you're a responsible renter and can partner with a landlord. So, Got you. so how exactly yeah. does Provito solve that issue? Yeah. So um, it's basically we're solving it by partnering with, landlords and saying, hey, uh, we're going to try to attract and keep your absolute best renters. Because for a landlord, anytime that they have to flip a place, like their tenants move out, there is a loss of rental income. They have to clean it up, maintain it, you know, whatever. Um, so there's like that piece of it. And then anytime a, rent, a landlord has like a bad renter who doesn't care about the property and who doesn't like respect the property, there's a, a massive risk of like extreme damage that can happen if a renter just trashes the place. Um, mm -hmm. So, well, you know, to combat that, we're like, well, let's offer first an incentive to good rentership. So if a renter pays rent on time and like isn't a jerk, then um, what, what if we unlock a little bit of savings for them as part of that normal process? So like I pay rent on time and then the landlord says, okay, well, since I have a good renter now, like I'm willing to, you know, match a little bit of that rent and put it towards this guy's um, like savings, if you will, for this renter. Is savings. that savings basically some type of equity in, in any of the properties or what exactly is that savings? I mean, that's the long-term goal right now. It's just cash that gets unlocked okay. after the renter has been a good renter for a year. Um, so, but the goal is to actually open that up sooner so that it can serve as an emergency fund because we're trying to do like a lot of things all at once by using homeownership and renting as like a vehicle to help improve like quality of life for a lot of people. So, mm -hmm. so it's a service uh, then for renters and the landlords. It's kind of working. It's benefiting both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's a nonprofit in inner city Cincinnati, well, so I thought I had this like brilliant idea four years ago and then I Googled who else has been doing it. And there was this nonprofit in Cincinnati called Cornerstone and they've been doing it for like 17 years. And what they found was by helping out renters and like taking care of the property, the operating expenses on the property dropped tremendously. Vacancies were way better than any of the surrounding like comparables. And then the marketing expense was non-existent because there was a wait list to get in. So it's like, yeah you know, good business standing of like, I'll take care of you and look out for your best interest because I understand your rental property is your investment. 
Um, and then from the landlord perspective, it's looking out for a renter uh, to almost like, almost like a little bit of apprenticeship mentoring because like, there are a lot of really good landlords out there who, you know, they, they know there are tough times. So right now with the pandemic, like there are landlords out there who have cut rent or stopped accepting rent. And these are like mom and pop investors, you know, it's a family owned property. And it's like, so there are really awesome landlords out there. And so we just want to match those really good landlords with renters who care. Um, and yeah, and it's a win for both of them. So. Interesting. So how then does Provito, this, this idea of a company, how exactly would they then make uh, revenue? How would Provito make revenue in this or fulfilling this need? Yeah. So part of it's just a service fee. So like basically, I mean, I kind of want to take a, like an enough model if, um, well, so basically it's just a service fee. So like a dollar per unit per month. And then, um, but the, so that's part of it because I want to help out landlords and renters, but I also personally like want to work with landlords who are investing in other properties. So it's also a way to like try to help them out and see if I can kind of work with them in the future on future projects too. Gotcha. So the, uh, so the landlords pay the uh, service fee then in that model? Yeah. Although I guess, you know, in essence, both would be paying. I mean, like at the end of the day, the, the renter still is going to be paying it, but it's not out of the renter's pocket um, just because there's that like disparity, right? Like from, okay, the landlord has a certain amount of wealth and a landlord or in a if renters, you know, have less than $400 in like savings. Like, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't feel comfortable taking like, like tagging another fee onto the renters. So that's not true. Cool. And so that's something that you're, and this is like your latest thing. This is, uh, is this something that you're currently, um, uh, like, is this model currently in action or this is what you're developing? Cause I know you said you, you've been working on it for four years. Yeah. Uh, like I've been tinkering with it. And, um, so to answer your question, yes, the model's ongoing, but it's not from my company. Like there are a few other companies that have actually like taken a concept very similar and they're like crushing it. Um, so I'm, I'm quite jealous because I couldn't figure out how to make like the revenue model work. Uh, like I didn't want to, yeah. Cause if you figure a, a dollar or a couple percentage points, like you need a lot of units to actually make it break even. And I have no interest in like, running at a, an extreme deficit for, for years. So I haven't figured out like the business model aside from, okay, it's going to be a relatively smaller return right now, but I do want to like partner in with landlords on future projects too. Um, yeah. So. yeah. And then you, you, uh, you sound like you're a lot more passionate about working with um, mom and pop uh, landlords um, versus like uh, the big companies that uh, just run all their units with management companies and things like that. Yeah. Well, and, and there's some benefit for them too, because I mean, they run their pro formas and they know what their operating expenses are. They know what their maintenance costs are, what their turnover rates are. And it's like, if we can just kind of tweak the lever for them, there's definitely a gain for them, but you're right. Like my passion is that mom and pop investor. Um, and like, I just, yeah, I, th I think that it's like that super micro, I can see them face to face and like, I'm not going to screw them over. They're not going to see me over, screw me over because we're going to run into each other at the grocery store. You know? sure. Whereas like there's a huge disparity if I were as chasing like private equity or something like that, you know, they can run circles around me and like I could, yeah. So it's just like 
there's a there's a bigger risk, and so I prefer connecting with so, pops. So uh, from my perspective, it seems like you are uh, not only interested in real estate areas with with that company, but you also have something called Zozeco co-working space. If I'm calling, if I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly, uh, what are you doing there with that? What is that? Yeah, well, oh, so anything that sounds close to it is a huge win because I mean, hey, someone's saying it, so I'll take it. Um, okay. It's actually, we call it Zosco because my last name oh, is Zoso. Okay. And then um, a couple buddies and I, we used to like grab drinks after work and BS about business ideas. And uh -huh. like, well, if you ever start a business, you got to call it Zosco because it's a combination of my last name and then Costco, which is like the best retail store possible. So gotcha. um, yeah, so Zosco co-working. <laughs> gotcha. uh, yeah, so the whole premise there is everyone's been working from home right now and um, it's not a whole lot of fun. Like it can be, but productivity really drops for most people, at least for me. And, um, or like if you have kids at home, you don't want to tell your kids, hey, sorry, daddy can't play right now or mommy can't play right now. Like I have to work. Um, there's something almost unnatural about a human living and working in the exact same space day in and day out. Like for the entirety of the human race, we've always kind of gone to go do work, whether that's in a field or whether that's hunting or whatever, like there's mm -hmm. home and then there's work. Um, but not everyone has an office or has need of an office and, um, and office rentals like can be challenging. Like if you've never leased an office before, like there's a, a disparity in understanding of lease terms. Like what's triple net is what's a gross net or like what's a gross lease. Um, so a landlord in a commercial space has way more knowledge and understanding than a brand new person who's like starting a business or working from home who just wants like a small office. And so we're trying to eliminate that friction. So we have office rentals, you know, on a month to month basis, if someone needs it or co-working like shared office environment, but that's been, you know, on pause for COVID and, and we'll see for what sure. happens with that part. So, but yeah. so when getting into that, just so I understand that a little better, did you, uh, did you actually buy the space upstairs and like, uh, or are you renting that and then renting the space on top of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm renting that. Um, okay. So I, I really like debt scares me and I don't like taking a whole lot of risk. And so, uh -huh. um, yeah, so I, I thought it was a lot easier to take on risk of a like a lease. And if I can't make it work, you know, then I'm out a certain amount. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have an asset, but like I don't want to have to take on a massive amount of loans. So I have the privilege of like building equity each month. Mm -hmm. um, you know what that so reminds me of? Uh, one of my friends, actually, he's been dabbling in the space of Airbnb arbitrage. So it's very similar to what you're saying. Oh, okay. it's basically, yeah. it's basically like where you go and rent an apartment building, right? And mm -hmm. you then put your, so let's say you're paying 600 bucks a month for that apartment. And then you go put that apartment building on Airbnb, but you charge more, right? So under yeah. the circumstances where everybody is is uh, staying at your place, you might make a thousand dollars a month. So you made four hundred dollars profit, right? So yeah. so that that reminds me of that. And to me, uh, it's it's a very interesting idea. It scares me, and yeah. I, I guess I guess it only scares <laughs> me because my intuition tells me that if something is too good to be true, it, it normally is. And 
I don't know if that's valid uh, applying that to arbitrage or anything like that, but for some reason, I'm just like, man, like what, what if I don't get enough uh, like Airbnb rentals, you know? But it also has the benefit where, you know, if, if it does go south, then you could just hop out at any point in time, you know? But have you heard of Airbnb arbitrage? Uh, like kind of, I guess I didn't know the, the term to it, but it makes sense to combine those uh-huh. two terms. Yeah, um, and, and I totally get the, the fear factor with that because there's that like risk of uncertainty where, okay, maybe it's going really well, but then all of a sudden, you know, there's an extreme loss event that no one predicted or people, yeah, there's an extreme loss event like a pandemic and then all of a sudden tourism is completely out and you're still mm-hmm. on the hook. So hopefully you have a cash flow that can sustain that already or enough of mm-hmm. a, an emergency fund buffer. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I'm very cautious with debt. So I, and, and some people like do something similar um, like with master leases of larger homes to, mm-hmm. to, to do something like, like the arbitrage. Um, but yeah, everyone wants to do their, I mean, it's good to have, I guess at the end of the day, it's not, a, as long as it's not a catastrophic risk, uh-huh. like if you can eat that risk, then it's cool. But if it's like I'm taking it, if I'm leveraging against my 401k and it has to work, it's like, that's mm-hmm. where, well, like, that's no. some scary stuff. Yeah, you know. So I'm curious, you've mentioned uh, multiple times in this conversation so far, uh, uh, what's the word? Emergency fund. So I'm curious, okay. uh, away from uh, a business emergency fund or anything like that, what are your thoughts on a individual emergency fund, personal finance wise? And if you have one, how, how many months out are you thinking would be adequate? Uh, I, I, I love personal emergency funds. Like I think that, <laughs> so like part of Provito and part of like, I, I can't drop, like I've had plenty of ideas in the last four years of different business projects, but I cannot drop that one because it's like, it's a mechanism to help people build an emergency fund, like start building some savings, some cash savings. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think the notion of having three months of expenses is really helpful uh, just because you never know. But I, I mean, if you can have six months of expenses, like that's even better. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like to keep a lot of cash around. I, yeah, I shouldn't say yeah. that. Uh, not sure. in my house. So please don't rob me anyone. But <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, so oh, go uh, on. You can ask Josh. With uh, with Provito, um, yeah. is there an aspect of, I, I want to say you may have briefly said this earlier, but is there an aspect of uh, educating uh, like renters? Yes. Uh, and that's awesome. I, I'd love to hear more about that part. Yeah. Um, okay. So the Cornerstone Group in Cincinnati, like they did it really, they did it so smart. They were like, okay, you're, we're going to have our renters agree to pay rent on time. It's like, great, but that's transactional, right? But then the other piece is renters are also going to like agree to attend their monthly neighborhood meeting. And in that monthly neighborhood meeting, there's a component of education. And it's like, not only like, instead of having it, what's up? This monthly neighborhood meeting, is that something that you guys do or just they have to be in one in their own community? Oh, um, so in our model, we're the ones who are hosting it. And obviously like that takes, I mean, there, there's an expense that happens with that. And so that's harder. However, um, like the benefits there, because if it's just transactional, like 
then, hey, I paid rent on time, you know, give me my, my carrot. But from a renter education perspective, like the reason it's beneficial to a landlord is, hey, at our meeting, we're, let's say you have like single family homes or older, you know, 1960s apartments. In our October meeting, we're going to talk about how water damage can actually really like seep in and cause a massive amount of like damage in the future. So like the bet, like go over um, the benefit of fixing a leak early on before it actually like water drips into your subfloor and causes extreme amount of damage. Um, so there's like that kind of education or just like education on, Hey, here's this, here's this landlord who's kind of built his own portfolio of properties. And so just like trying to share that wisdom and, there's something when you're hearing it from your neighbor who you've seen every month and like, and you've, you know, had a cookout with every once in a while that like, it makes it so much easier to actually understand what's going on and then like enjoy it. And then there's like a benefit as well of like, if I know my neighbors, I want to stick around longer and I would feel really guilty if I like trashed my place on move out and then it, you know, yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That creates uh, accountability. Um, And yeah, man, that's so important uh, that uh, especially young renters, people who are new to this have, uh, are are educated and uh, have the opportunity to be resourced and understand um, the things that are going on, you know? uh, So I imagine you, um, you, and you, you probably want to, uh, uh, or you probably just end up talking to a lot of younger uh, uh, renters and uh, and things of that nature, and maybe even are you are you then working with even younger uh, landlords as well? Um, you know, I haven't worked as many or like with as many younger landlords. I've usually been like talking to like older folks because I love old people too. Like like they've experienced so much more in life than I have. So. Um, and so, yeah, like ideally, like I, my goal is to be around like every age range because right, there's the younger folks who they're just getting started and, and they're like, oh yeah, oh, I, sh- I got to buy a house or I have to do this or I should take out like a 401k for my business that I've never had a business before. Right. It's like for those folks, I want to be like, well, no, let's like chat. Um, but then on the older side, it's just, I want to ask a bunch of questions and like mm-hmm. learn as much as I can or, or their motivations. Mm-hmm. So. So it sounds like you also have an interest in like younger kind of learning education, like yeah, you know, I'm just uh, the the reason we started this podcast was to learn um, from people and uh, and get the opportunity to expose yeah. ourselves to uh, ideas. Me and Adam uh, have been uh, uh, really close friends for yeah. almost a decade now. And that's kind of been the, uh, uh, the crux of our relationship is just, yeah. you know, iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. um, going back and forth. We were talking about personal finance uh, earlier. And, you know, that's something you, uh, you can learn in books. And I definitely, I've, I've learned things uh, from books and stuff, but the biggest impact I would say, like uh, Adam was the type of friend, uh, he's way more experienced in it. He had just been learning about it for so much longer. Mm-hmm. And when he saw me taking an interest and wanting to take my finances serious, uh, seriously, he just, one, I mean, one day he just, it's like, hey, Sunday, I'm helping a, another friend uh, do this. You can come through and I'll help you guys with uh, setting up some uh, high yield savings account. Yeah. And, 
I was like, that's, it, it made, it made a huge impact. I mean, you know, when you're, when you do that with a peer, it, it lasts so much longer and oh, yeah. it with you so much, um, uh, so much more, you know? Right. I also, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I love, I love just sharing ideas. Um, uh, uh, the company that uh, I own with my dad, we set up after school programs. Okay. Uh, so I do teach, I do, I, I teach kids chess. Uh, oh, awesome. I love doing that. I love, uh, I love seeing, getting a kid to do something that he didn't think he was able to do or understand mm-hmm. something that he wasn't able to understand. And so, yeah, I, I, I am, uh, that's a big part of my life. I do love uh, educating and sharing ideas. Oh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Sure. So, Eric, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. So, entrepreneurship in general, I, from my perception of you, and I've met with you multiple times, it definitely has some place in your life. And the reason I say this is because you've been going to 1 million cups meetings. You're, you're heavily involved in that, right? You have your own businesses and, and you just said, you're constantly thinking of, of new business ideas over the past four years. You were mentioning a, an, a text SMS neighborhood watch system <laughs> to me yeah. uh, six months ago. So your brain's yeah. always working towards these ideas. And, and not only that, you, you've also taken the time to meet with myself and my co-founder Houston before in Valpo multiple times. So I'm yeah. curious to know, why, why do any of this? Because it, it is just by you engaging in these ideas and uh, these behaviors, you are now in the minority of people, right? Not, most people aren't entrepreneurs. So I wanna know what makes you tick and why, why did you ever even get into anything to do with entrepreneurship? Ooh, that's a, I, I, I appreciate that. And that's a good question. Um, my gut rant, like my gut answers, uh, because I'm, I was naive. I was like, oh, it seems like there's a bunch of dummies who run businesses. I could be a dummy who runs a business. And then like <laughs> I started it and then I was trying to Google, how do you get customers? And it's like, oh, this is a lot harder. Um, so I'm still working on like how to figure it out. But I, I think there's something empowering about saying, okay, we live in a, a community or we live in a world and like there are things that I wish existed. Um, like trying to start something or working on business projects is like a way to actually make that happen in reality. It's like we can build the world we want to live in. And it's not something that we need to say, hey, this guy should go like do it or you know, you see it often with like politics or discussions of like the city or the state or the governor or the president should do this. Um, that's hard, but like there's an ability from groups of people working together to like do it in a way that's sustainable, that like creates more value than it takes out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of like, how do we build the world we want to live in? And, um, but I also just, so yeah, I got into it naive and then ego thinking like oh, I can do this and then also just uh, it's fun I don't know like there's something just like selfishly I just like I like doing that stuff so mm-hmm. scratch yeah there, there is something there is something fun about the journey even even uh the journey that may have not I guess like no fruits have been reaped from it yet like monetarily speaking there's something yeah. about the the self-development journey that, that ensues when trying to start a business. And just, if you go from nothing to, to trying to start a, a corporation, 
there are so many just little intricacies that you would have never even thought of. And when, when you're out at a bar, right, drinking beers with your friends, you're thinking like, man, we could do this. This would, uh, this would be great, right? And it just like clicks so quickly in your head, right? Yeah. But uh, when you actually sit down and, and go through all of the lawyer paper, paperwork to make sure that you're not breaking the law, uh, you're going through all of the little development issues, all the little errors that could have possibly arise, right? Well, what happens in this case, right? And you really, you really start to think like, wow, like you need to allocate time and energy to each one of these little areas, you know? And it is a lot more involved than, you know, it may first present itself when you're, when you're at that bar drinking beer with your friends. But there is something very, very fun about it, you know? And what's great is once you do it the first time and maybe the second time, you, it's not like you just forget everything that you learn, you know? Right. Uh, so, so then when you're out at the bar with your friends, maybe in two years from now or five years from now, you've been through all of this. We know what it takes to start a company. You know what uh, it takes for founders of a company to work well together and cohesively. You can apply that to, uh, to future ideas. And I, I just think, that that part of it and that journey like you said it, it is fun like i don't really yeah. know a better term for it you know what was um so like how while we're on this uh topic what yeah. was one of the first things that you learned about the entrepreneur uh game if you will when you uh when you first got into it what was one of those first things that just kind of smacked you in the face like whoa all right <laughs> i didn't know i had to had to figure this out um, ooh. well, one of the, the first, like less, or one of the first learnings where it kind of shifted my own internal thinking was, so I was in Valparaiso, Indiana, which is the best like town there is. Um, and I was shocked at just like how genuinely interested people were in like doing business together. Um, like there's it's not a super like transient location. You have people who kind of stick around. So whenever there's a new entrant, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, it, I don't know. There was just something like. Yeah. Valpo and Hobart have really healthy business, uh, local uh, business communities. Um, and even between the two, I, cause I know people that just kind of uh, people that are in Valpo, I know like they all work with each other. The people mm -hmm. in Hobart all work with each other. Mm -hmm. And even in that whole region, you guys are all just very, very welcoming <laughs> to us. Yeah. Well, but then there's this like second thing that I, or another thing that I learned on it. I don't know what order, but it, it's like, it, that's almost like a double-edged sword though at the same time, where then it's like, we're going to be too close and we're going to like have a Valpo market without enough of a mindset towards like, I want to be able to sell this all over, or I want to sell this in, to a, at a, a larger scale. So it's almost like how, yeah it's not competitive in a larger market. It's only competitive in a super micro market. And I think that that makes it harder to actually like row a business. Yeah. Um, which, and what was some, so is that, uh, is that something that you can solve with just marketing? Is that, uh, how do you go from uh, micro to uh, expanding your uh, customer base, if you will? Well, I, th I think part of it's just that, that awareness of like thinking through, okay, is this like, idea product that I'm working on. Yeah. I need to be able to absolutely crush it like with every single customer I have. Um, but is it something that has any legs for growth for outside trade? Like 
can I shift it somewhere? Can I shift this product more than just to the 30,000 people around me or the 100,000 people around me? Um, and so, yeah, I think awareness and an interest towards like attempting that. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that would happen if I just gave it a try? Even if it doesn't succeed, like kind of um, to what Adam said, it's like that growth and like that personal growth of what if I try to like shift this business model to something that's beyond like what would it what would that take and then that's fun too to figure that out yeah yeah that is uh that is always fun to figure out and uh, personally i one thing i've um i've kind of been thinking about recently is that i think that's uh trying to grow and scale things outside of your own little circle that's when it becomes very important to um start developing a team uh and then working with people outside of your circle because that, that was something that it was like when you first start like doing projects and like getting momentum, they get momentum obviously in your circle first, yeah. but um, eventually you can get to a point where it's like if you're marketing something, whatever it is, and it just kind of keeps going through your circle, it just gets kind of like stuck in this weird uh, orbit and it's like you can't get out. It, it's uh, for me personally, I know it's, it, it seems to really help when you get somebody involved that just has a new circle you know that has a new mm. um uh market somewhere uh and that you know just networking essentially is yeah. pretty important uh about that uh you you mentioned that valpo is the greatest town uh in ever it uh, is, I, yes. I, where where did you grow up i'm assuming valpo oh, yeah, i grew up in valpo yeah <laughs> so there you're uh you you grew up in valpo um like since you were born did you move around within valpo or Oh, yeah, so Valpo, born and raised, and then uh, went to Purdue, which is also the great university there is. And, um, and then while I was at Purdue, did Air Force ROTC and commissioned with the Air Force, and then moved out to California for a little bit. And then mm -hmm. I um, lived in Colorado Springs. I'm actually in Colorado Springs right now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, lived in Colorado Springs for like four and a half years, mm -hmm. and then moved back to Valpo as an adult instead of like a kid riding a bike, you know, hanging out. That's a different saw. experience, right? <laughs> oh, it's definitely a different experience. But like the flip side about, yeah, like Valpo's not as good though, early 20s, mid 20s, early 30s, mm -hmm. unless you have a family. Like there's yeah. that, like that part, it's harder. I can and definitely so, you can, so you, you, uh, most of your family's in Valpo then? Uh, just my parents. Okay. I've got one brother in like Indianapolis and then one brother in Florida. And okay. so. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And so. so so Eric, are you, are you currently working for the, the Air Force or you, you just mentioned before we started uh, okay. that you're doing something with the Air Force. What, what's your involvement with them right now? Yeah, so um, typically I'm a reservist with the Air Force. So I left active duty six years ago, um, June 1st. June 1st was my, June 1st, 2014 was my first day of like civilian life. And then I've been a reservist since then. Um, so like usually like I'd go, I'd like fly to Colorado Springs and work Air Force Reserve stuff for a week or a weekend and then like come back home to Valpo. Um, but right now, today is my last day. So I like took on a set of orders for um, like active duty status to work with a training shop um, like at my old unit. And so, so it's like technically it's active duty right now, but that's until today and then it's back to civilian part-time air force gotcha got you yeah so so is that something that uh, you're going to continue to so you'll continue to be um 
uh, reservist for a little while. How long? How long does that work? Because I know, like, when you're on the reserves, um, yeah. how long do you? Or how long are you looking to stay in the reserves? You know, as as long as it's continuing to be fun, um, and it's like I'm feeling like I'm able to contribute. So, um, yeah, I've been a reservist six years. It's at will, uh, so it's totally like. So if I wanted to stop now, I could do that. But yeah, it's like the work is cool. So like in Valpo or even civilian life Colorado Springs, there's not as many ways to like do like space stuff. And so, um, so it's like the, the Air Force work is just exciting. And I love the people there. Like today, um, one of actually the commander of the active duty unit that I was working with, like, like he was, you know, put his name in the hat for the astronaut candidate program. And like, I, I think he's going to get it for this upcoming one. Like, like it's just some of the, yeah, some really superstar people. So I just like love, like, I love that like interaction. It's different from the entrepreneurial side, but it's, it's still like cool people to be around. Yeah. So, yeah. Or were, sure. you a, were you a pilot or, uh, no. <laughs> no, it just, so you, cause I saw on your, um, LinkedIn, it said something about airmen. What, what, uh, what does that mean? Oh, uh, airmen's <laughs> just like, it, that's like the equivalent of soldier. Oh, okay. Um, and, the, and the air force. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, so anyone who's in the air force is like airmen. No. So my little brother, he went to Purdue and did air force ROTC, but he's like faster, stronger, harder working. And so he became a pilot. Uh, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> no. Gotcha. No, I did so I did space stuff so okay cool yeah okay wait real quick before we get off that what do you mean by space stuff that sounds really <laughs> intriguing oh uh so so the air force owns gps satellites and like mm -hmm. controls that so hmm. um so I worked with a unit that did gps and oh, wow. so like making sure like the solar arrays are pointing at the sun and the antennas are pointing down at earth and like you know interesting and what did you study at purdue working. Ooh, accounting, accounting. Which is why I love spreadsheets apparently wow. and don't want to be an accountant. That's wild. That all the all the, an entrepreneur who uh, who uh, works with satellites and studied accounting. That's uh, that's quite the combination there, man. Yeah, sure I I I think I look good on paper, but then like meet me and then yeah, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. Um, so how, how old are you right now? You're in your, did you turn 30 yet or how old are you? I'm 34. Yeah. 34. Got you. Yep. So I'm curious, um, what does the next, what, what is, I'll put it, the, I'll frame it this way. What is the rest yeah. of your, what are the rest of your thirties look like before you hit the big 40? What do they look oh, like gosh. from an, from an entrepreneurial ex, uh, perspective? Are you looking to create new companies in the next six years or what are you thinking? So I, if I do create any like companies in the next six years, I suspect that they will be somehow linked to Provito. Like gotcha. I can't get it out of my head. It's been like four years of just like noodling on it and not taking enough action. Like, uh -huh. you know, being a bit of a coward on it and like not taking the risk and trying to grow internally and like, you know, be aware of my own self and like why I'm holding myself back or what, whatever. Um, uh -huh. But yeah, that's a, that's a tough question because yeah, 40 is six years from now. And I like left the full-time job thing six years ago. Mm -hmm. And 
like there's definitely like some up ramps and then like some some like plateaus, which is dangerous and scary. And it's like, oh shoot, was I plateauing there or was I still learning? Um, so yeah. So so that brings me I, to another question actually. How how on earth were you able to leave the full-time job thing, right? Because that's that's something that's huge uh, on a lot of entrepreneurs entrepreneurs' minds, right? They yeah. they start off working a day job and they have this brilliant idea for a company, but it's such a balance because it's like, okay when do I quit my day job to, uh, to start working full time and full force on this idea that I had? And obviously that's different from case to case, but it's on every entrepreneur's mind. So I'm curious, how, how were you able to leave the full time job six years ago, you said? Um, partially just by being oblivious and like overconfident of like, oh, I'll be able to figure this out. Like this little, <laughs> um, and then part of it was like I just tried to save money while I was working full time and like pay off debts and that kind of thing. And so, um, so it's like decreased expenses, had money saved and then kind of like amped myself up by kind of doing a worst case scenario. So, mm -hmm. all right. If what's the absolute worst that could happen if I left my full time job and I like put some money into a business, like, what's the worst that'll happen. And what I came up with was, well, I'd run out of money and then I'd have to move back in with mom or dad and that would be embarrassing. Um, but then I could like go try to find another job again. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. realistically it's like, that's, that's a position of privilege, man. Like it I, truly like, is. Yeah. And so it's like, Oh, well that's not really that risky. And so I lucked out that, you know, circumstances arose where I was able to take that. Um, yeah, and it's and that doesn't def, that definitely doesn't work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So for sure, I gotta ask you a question. Have you heard of the Fire lifestyle before? Um, is that financial independence retire early? Yes, it's a huge community, like on Reddit. Yeah, I'm curious um, yeah. to I, I ask that because uh, it seems like a lot of your uh, money principles are in line with with their money principles, like rainy day fund, emergency fund, keeping your expenses okay. low, to basically. Uh, you, you didn't necessarily retire early, but you're putting into a lot of, uh, you're putting into practice a lot of those principles that they're constantly preaching about. And I would more or less say that I'm a part of that community. So that's why I keep like bringing oh, okay. up these personal finance things. But yeah, that, that's, that's interesting that uh, you were able to do that at such a young age. And you're right, that that is 100% a privilege, right? It's a privilege, but for some people, it's also, uh, it's also dependent on how good they are at keeping their expenses low, living frugally and saving money, right? Uh, that's, that sounds like something that, that you did as well it, in tandem with having the fallback of your parents, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a, it's such like an intense problem to figure out like when, when are you ready to do that? Because the second you do that, and I've never done this yet, so I'm just speculating on what it feels like, but yeah. it's got to just feel like it's me against the world at this point. So I guess I'll ask you that. What did it feel like when you quit your, your day job to do this? Yeah. Um, at, at, well, at first it was really exciting. And then like, I was like, ah, but I saved up money. I like quit my job. I'm going to like take a little bit of time off. And so then like a couple of weeks later, 
I was like sitting in my underwear watching Breaking Bad in the middle of the day. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to like <laughs> actually get out there and do this stuff. Um, so that was scary. That was a scary feeling. Um, like, am I really that lazy? Oh shoot. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's both exciting, but also like nerve wracking at the same time. And so then it's just that reminder of, okay, worst case that happens, like I'll run out of money and I will have to go move in with my parents, but I love my family. So that wouldn't be too bad. Um, mm -hmm. Best case scenario is I will hopefully learn a lot more along the way. But see, I think what you guys are doing, that's awesome. Especially like while working the full-time job thing is like, well, Adam, you're working full-time. Josh, are you, or are you doing? Uh, everything is like up in the air right now with COVID. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Pre-shutdown, uh, pre I was the only, I mean, the only job I was working was the company that I own with my dad. Um, okay. And then I uh, own a media company as well. So I was doing, mm -hmm. uh, I do freelance video and photography. Oh, awesome. So it's it, like, that's always a weird thing. It's like, I, I guess I'm full-time uh, entrepreneur, but it's like, neither of those like feel like I work for right. those, but all of my money comes from avenues that I don't, um, I don't have to answer to a boss. That's, uh, and that's and it's, it's cool. It's uh, it's, it could definitely be stressful though. Sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I was just curious. You were talking about, um, <laughs> uh uh what uh, adam was doing with umbrella oh yeah and, and so by starting umbrella and working with houston on the other like the projects that you, yeah because mm -hmm. you guys had like a couple apps at one we, point. we did have a couple of apps at one point but now we're going uh full force just on umbrella because yep we think that's what makes sense to do at this point oh yeah and I love what you guys have been doing, at least from what I've heard on like podcasts and what you yeah. told me about with it. Yeah, where so it. right now my situation is I, I work a full time uh, job as an engineer at a steel mill, and then I, I still live at home with my mom. So that's been definitely nice being able to save on uh, expenses. Oh, yeah. However, today, dude, today, I'm like <laughs> driving to go to Chipotle, right? And I'm at Solid a day. yeah. Yeah, and I'm at a, 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 what's it called? A red light. And I'm sitting there and about 150 feet up in front of me and to the left, right? I see a car drive off the road and onto someone's lawn and then hit a tree, right? And oh I'm gosh. thinking like, did I, am I dreaming right now? Did I just see yeah. this happen, you know? And then oh, two man. seconds later, I get rear-ended ridiculously hard two seconds later and I was like what is going on man like like I just saw Wait, this, this is today today man I just saw a car crash over here and then like my whole world just gets rocked my head like shot back I have whiplash right now and uh yeah man I got rear-ended my car is totaled <laughs> so what, but, the reason why I brought that up is because yeah I've, I've been saving uh keeping my expenses low living at home but oh, every now man. and then life life will throw some crazy life, things oh away. my gosh yeah man yeah, it was, Bay fund is for. <laughs> yeah such a wild experience man i don't know if i don't know if it was just chance that two accidents happened right there or if the guy took his eyes off the road and then uh 
just hit me. But the thing is, I told the guy, I was like, yeah, I was like, you saw that other car hit the tree, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> so it may have just been chance, man. I don't know. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Because, wow. yeah, when you told the story uh, to me earlier, I was like, oh, that guy must have just, like, you have been looking at the car hit the tree. And yeah, then... but the dude had no idea about the other car. So, like, Loki, like, I don't know if <laughs> that was the case or not, you know? Mm. But, yeah, life, life occurs. That's definitely, like you said, Josh, that is a reason to have a, a rainy day fun. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as we were talking from, from the entrepreneurial side of things, it, there are pros and cons. Right. Um, definitely, like, financially, it's amazing because you can work a full-time job. You still have income. I'm living home with my mom, and it's like, all right, the time outside of work, I focus on building my company. The downside is the time that you're able to allot to your right. company, right? Uh, and, and you, you frequently get those thoughts like, well, what if I was just able to allot, uh, you know, more time to, to this, what, what would be able to happen? And then it's also even more multifaceted because it gets into the idea of mental fatigue. And if you're, if you're spending all day doing one type of work, right. When you go to, to work on your own thing, your, your brain isn't going to be functioning, uh, at complete capacity. As if, it, as if you didn't do any of that because the mental fatigue just builds up and builds up and builds up. So there's that aspect of it as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about my current situation. I know. Dang. I have a question for you, uh, Eric. Um, yeah. So we've been talking a lot about entrepreneurship and a lot uh-huh. of uh, some of the other things that me and Adam constantly just kind of talk about are just personal uh, lifestyle. So I believe that all that stuff is connected, uh, how you take care of yourself and what you do in your, uh, just even in your free time is going to affect how, especially if you're an entrepreneur, um, how you're going to perform uh, in business. So, I mean, me and Adam go back and forth on all kinds of things. We, yeah. we, we have some uh, pretty wild uh, uh, ideas that, uh, or people might think that they're wild ideas. We talk about the idea of like completely <laughs> uh, uh, minimizing digital um, uh, experiences and things like that with uh, like digital minimalism and then I personally getting a, getting a, a flip phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> of like you know dopamine's the devil kind of thing or like cheap uh, dopamine especially yeah right. sure. so my question is uh, per, like what are some things personally for your own development for your own mental health for your own happiness that you yeah. uh, for, that you do um, especially like that's become a lot easier with like lockdown mode um, so one thing that I used to do was like, I would love to go to like events, networking events or social events, just like meeting people at nonprofit functions, whatever, just to like get out there and socialize or like host events just because that's fun. And like when you're, when you meet like five new people in a day, you can learn a lot of different subjects that you wouldn't necessarily be exposed to. And it's like chance, you know, it's like embracing chance with that. So that's, one thing that I like, but also um, reading and writing. So I've been trying to read like more books that have been around a little bit longer. Um, like we always have this like, oh, read something new, read something new. It's on, I don't know, but it's like, it's hard to tell if something's going to stand the test of time. So it's like if a book's been around for 20 years or 30 years or longer and it's still relevant, like then there's a chance that it'll continue to be like relevant into the future. Um, that's and so point. I've never heard that point uh, before. I like that. 
Well, I, I mean, I can't take credit for it. Uh, this author, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, he wrote my favorite book called Anti-Fragile. Um, and he calls it like the Lindy principle or something like that. Like, is it Lindy? Like, however long it's been around and continues to be relevant, there's a good chance it'll continue to be relevant that long in the future. So like in lockdown, I've been reading these letters from uh, Seneca to Lucilius or something uh, like that. Uh, the Shortness of Life, have you read that essay? I have not, I have not read that one, but I'm writing that it down. Also, that is also by Seneca. Uh, Penguin, uh, the Penguin Publishing Company, you can get it as, um, uh, as a small book. It's got the essay, and I believe it has, which letters did you say you were reading? Uh, the ones to Lucilius. I so. believe those letters are in that book as well. But the shortness of life, it, that was a that was a really good uh, read. Also uh, by Seneca. I, I like that idea um, that you're talking about, seeing if it stands the test of time. One of the big uh, books that may, that had a big impact on me uh, yeah. financially was uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All these stories from uh, ancient Babylon. And it's talking about money. Um, for me, what for whatever reason, it just it just all clicked. Even though they're talking about, you know, uh, gold and silver pieces, mm -hmm. the all the principles in that book uh, are the same. Yeah, uh, and they they exist today, and and you can you can apply those today. Yeah, uh, yeah, Seneca, that's some good stuff. And then you're are you trying to write something that's going to stand the test of time? What? what oh no, not, oh, not. I'm just writing selfishly for myself like i don't <laughs> that's, that's um, cool man I, I also write and writing is the best thing in the world man you know? oh yeah do you, do you write just to journal like on a daily basis or weekly basis or what do you write for um yeah sometimes it's not it's not like every day but a lot of it is to like process things because i used to just take a ton of notes like on the computer and like think through something but it's by like i'm just running around with my pen um it's yeah. like it forces you to slow down and then process things a little bit more. Yeah, you process things differently when you like write it out. Right. And have you ever heard? Uh, have you ever heard the saying like the clearest form of thinking is through writing? I have not heard that. But yeah, but I, I've heard that like years ago, and I completely can attest to that. Like whenever there's something that I need to figure out in my life, or I need to analyze like both sides of something, like I just I have like these type of like books all over the place man yeah you know i'll just sit down and write precisely man you know what i want to get i want to get a like a really nice uh notebook like maybe one with leather or something you know i think that'd be cool okay do you do you uh like get any like nice stuff or you're just writing on anything you know so i um i listened to the autobiography of sam walton because okay like for a long time, like, ah, I'm not going to Walmart, like, but then I figured, okay, this guy built a massive company and I had heard like that he did some things pretty decently. And so um, he was talking about, he would just go everywhere with like a yellow legal pad. It's like, well, shoot, if a yellow legal pad was good enough for like Sam Walton, like. Yeah, the legal oh. pad, are you t you're talking about this book, right? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. yeah that's a, yeah, I remember reading about that. He always had the, <laughs> he just always had the legal pads and he was always writing down. Yeah. Um, so. For like nice things, like I, I like that um, the philosophy that like put money uh, between you and gravity. So like have good tires and a good mattress and like decent shoes. Because like gravity's yeah tough, um, <laughs> and so 
That's a very interesting way to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's a, that's a cool idea. Um, You know, while we were talking about writing, I think the reason that um, uh, writing uh, is such a good center uh, is because like we, we have uh, a lot of us as humans, uh, uh, our delusion and the idea that we can process multiple things. At oh, once. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and really that you, you can't think about um, more than one thing at a time, but some of us are good at just constantly like switching, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and switching rapidly between uh, different thoughts. But when you're writing, you could have all these ideas in your head that you're, you can only think about them one at a time because oh, right. You're putting it the pen to the page or you're, you're typing you can only think about um uh one thing at a time but also you uh it, it gives it this very um uh tangible uh 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 tangible tangibility to it because as you're thinking about one thing at a time you're building uh on top of it and it becomes mm-hmm. a very structured and it just seems so much more uh tangible than when ideas are just kind of floating uh, around in your head and, and we take those ideas and we're able to switch in between them pretty quickly but when you're writing one at a time how do these best connect one to the other and that's probably why it's a it's a really good um way to get centered i don't do as much journaling um i do every once in a while uh, i've always been a creative so i've written songs and things and, and poetry awesome. uh, yeah. i'm working on a couple of, uh, of screenplays so um, I, I, I do enjoy uh, writing as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it's, uh, it's more creative though. That's awesome. For sure, man. So Eric, uh, before we conclude this, I gotta ask you, do you have any questions for us? Um, yeah, so like what's, so out of your, your past interviews, um, like, well, what have you, like what's been a big takeaway that you've been implementing? Uh, I'll tell you uh, one big takeaway that I'm about to implement is spend money on what Keith is in between you and gravity. So <laughs> <laughs> that one, that one is good. I, I never thought about it that way. That seems pretty important. <laughs> uh, you got one, Adam, go ahead. I don't know. Uh, one of the things that I like to obtain from other entrepreneurs is really, I guess, when, when do they feel ready? Just, just as I asked you, mm. when do you feel ready to, to go on your idea full time, right? So that, that's a question that I ask to almost every entrepreneur that comes on. And uh, the, the reason I ask that is because as an entrepreneur, that's, that's something that all of us have to deal with, right? At some point, you'll likely need to do this full time, unless you just assemble a bunch of like different avenues of income and you've assembled some type of mechanism to just manage them all at once, which is probably a little far-fetched of an idea. So that's kind of the idea that I I try and get is what needs to happen inside, I guess, for you to feel ready to to embark on your own, your own journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Josh? The, uh, another one, I, I think, uh, uh, it's the one that is most recent uh, on our channel right now. Um, probably not by the time anybody is watching this, but uh, we just did one with the gentleman, Calvin Steele, who was my barber. So I talked to him a lot, yeah. Yeah, but he, uh, yeah, it's like every time I talk to him, I just, 
I get something new. And, and one thing that stuck out to me um, the last time we talked about, and he's talked about this idea before with me too, but he always talks about how humbled he is uh, when uh, he talks to people uh, that sit in his uh, chair that he cuts. Uh, and he, he, go, he shares some experiences and, and how he's always so receptive to new ideas and then when he hears about uh, somebody doing something or excelling in a particular area of life that he, um, that he feels he could also uh, improve in, yeah, and the way he uses the word humbling, I'm like, man, that's, that's something I, I, definitely need to, um, I definitely need to learn. I definitely need to uh, spend more time um, uh, just learning from other people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was one. Uh, and uh, I, I enjoyed those conversations. And we've, we, at this point, we've talked to um, maybe like almost 10 people. So nice. we're doing these pretty, we're doing these pretty often. Uh, so it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. But the, the cool thing about podcasts is I, I love to go back and, um, and watch parts and, uh, and just pick up even, even things that I didn't pick up in the moment. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. something I love to do. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. Well, and I, and I like what you, like I saw in your guys's, um, YouTube, like little smaller snapshots, little segments. Yeah, little clips. Yeah, little clips. Mm -hmm. yeah, like that's pretty awesome. Um, that Naval, I think that Naval Ravikant, the dude who started Angel List, um, he like likes to do little segments because it's hard to listen to something for like an hour. Yeah. But mm -hmm. there's definitely, like if you can distill it, if you can distill like something into like the bullet points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You lose some of the context sometimes, but it's like, if you can distill it well enough, mm -hmm. you know, there's still a lot of value for that. And so then it's like a good amount of value for a chunk of time. But yeah. Yeah. With podcasts, it's um, even, it, it, podcast is one of those, uh, you, you find like your three podcasts that you're into and you pretty much only really have uh, time for those, right? Cause you know, I'm into, um, I'm into a lot of different podcasts, but I really only have like maybe two or three that, um, that I regularly listen to. And yeah. they can take a long time because some of those can be like a like an hour and a half. So um, yeah, you know all the the podcasts that I can also take in in like uh, chunks and stuff like that. I feel like are really good. And and when we started doing that, I was really excited about that because um, yeah, we we wanted to just have conversations with people. And um, my whole thought when we uh, when we started this was like I have conversations with people. And I'm like, man, I'm sure I've got five other friends that would have been that would have benefit from standing yeah. right next to me in this conversation, like being in this conversation. Um, and like uh, Calvin is uh, always a good example, too, because like Calvin's one of those guys that like I would I would love to introduce that guy to every single person that I know. I would love to just yeah. get somebody to ha get everybody I know to have five minutes with him. And now I can do that with uh, with the podcast. I can actually get it to uh, get these ideas and these conversations and these experiences that I have to uh, to everybody that I know. And that's um, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, for sure, um, man. Um, well, hey, and hey, I, hey. I know we got it. Well, I, I got it. I, there's something I wanted to bring up. Um, okay, I know sure. we're, we're running out of time. But 100%, man. Ask for okay, it. okay. So you had mentioned like when to leave the job, but you've been working full time for a little bit. Um, so I, I think like. I'd be cautious on leaving too soon because uh, I forget who wrote or like who talked about it, but there's a good point that as an, an employee, you'll never have negative income. Like, but if you start a business, like you are on the hook, like you can, like 
owners or like business starters will have a risk of negative income. Employees right. like mm -hmm. you do not have that risk. But there's also a, so like that's a safety thing. But then there's also the like you're gaining skills and knowledge of working in like a larger organization that if you were to leave like if you've never started that job that you would not be exposed to and seeing like For sure. what works or what doesn't work at that scale. And of course, scale like changes things tremendously. Um, For sure. But yeah, just something that like came to mind of like, if, like I can't change the past, but I do wish that I went into some sort of like sale business sales kind of role at some point to get myself out of my comfort zone and get used to like talking to people because mm -hmm. that would have been a, a good skill set to gain. Like before. For sure. Yeah. And you make a good point. I mean, any, any position that we find ourselves in, uh, whether it is entrepreneurial or working a day job, there's, there's always something that you can learn and there's always mm -hmm. interesting people you can meet. Uh, I can give you a quick example. Uh, the, the dude that we just did an interview with or a podcast with, I actually met from my day job, you know? Oh, cool. And yeah, yeah so, so there, there's, there's cool, creative people out there everywhere, man, you know? As long Absolutely. as you take the time to talk to them, you can, you can definitely learn from them. So I think that's a really good point. Cool. For sure. Well, Eric, I, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I don't know if you have any areas where we can send our audience to yours, where they can look more about ProVito or even uh, Zosco, uh, co-working in Valpo. If you do, if you have any Instagram pages or even LinkedIn or whatever, we can we can put the, put it in the description. Okay, cool. Yeah, with uh, LinkedIn or whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Or just anyone has questions and they want to hit me up, like yeah, that's fun too. For sure, man. For sure. And if you know anybody in uh, Northwest Indiana who wants to come on the podcast, definitely shoot them shoot them our way. We're more than uh, open to to talking with them. Absolutely. For sure. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Awesome. Now, right? Well, appreciate it. Take care. All right. See you.